0: Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. So like me, I suspect your heart has been uh, deeply impacted by the devastation and heartache that's been happening to our neighbors in the Southwest. So this past Friday, our president issued a proclamation declaring today National Day of Prayer for uh, both the victims and for the recovery efforts and all of those who are involved as a result of Hurricane Harvey. At the end of our service today, we are going to take some time as a part of prayer to not just focus on this brand new uh, spiritual growth campaign we're moving into next weekend, but we're also going to pray for um, those who've been hurt, who've been devastated, who've lost tremendous things. As a result of this hurricane. I also want to encourage you this morning to join us here at Grace Crossing Church as we respond to uh, provide some relief and help with the relief efforts that are happening uh, there on the ground in Houston and in the surrounding areas. Um, Some of you may have already made a contribution to an organization, but I want to invite you this morning, especially for those that haven't done something, to join us here to put our faith to work You know, the Bible says if you see a brother in need, a sister in need, and you say, God bless you, be warm, be clothed, be fed, but we do nothing to respond, that that faith is useless. The Bible says that faith is dead. And so I want to encourage you this morning to join our faith and actually put our faith to work by making a contribution. Uh, to the relief efforts through a partner ministry partner organization that that we work with at crisis times like this called Convoy of Hope. Now, Convoy of Hope are among the very first faith-based responders in crisis like these. In fact, Convoy of Hope was on the ground before this hurricane ever made landfall. They were setting up uh, points of distribution for uh, clean, fresh water, for food, and for clothing. And this morning, we have an opportunity to join together to make an impact and make a contribution through Convoy of Hope. And so it's really simple. There's a number of ways you can give here at Grace Crossing Church. You can always use the giving boxes. You can use our online, our website, and go to the giving page there, the donate page. You can also do it through your online banking, online bill pay if you choose to do that. But here's a really simple, convenient way we would ask you to join us in this morning. And that's by simply texting a donation. Now, this is super easy And it's super secure. And it's a good way that you can quickly make a difference in relief efforts through Convoy of Hope. So it's very, very simple. You simply text 84321. That's the text number, 84321. In fact, you might want to grab your mobile device now and just take a picture of this. Just take a snapshot of this really quickly so that you'll have this information because you're not going to have time probably to do it all during the service. But if you grab a picture of this, it'll give you the instructions. But if you do, text 84321. And then in the message line, you simply put the amount and the word convoy. It's that simple. And when you hit send, here's what's going to happen. If you are a first-time giver through texting, you're going to get an immediate response. Either way, you're going to get a response on your text that says, we are either confirming your donation, or if you're a first-time donor through texting, text to give, you'll get a link that you'll have to then click on, and it'll take you to a website, to a portal that, that is ours, that will set up your donation information on there. And then once you hit confirm, that information will go through. You'll get a then an email that will confirm your donation to Grace Crossing Church. It's the same way as if you have given through our website. So if you've already given through our website portal, the likelihood is that you're already set up in there. You're not going to have to type in all of your information. But it's very simple. Once you especially do this for the very first time, text donation becomes really simple in the future. So we're going to invite you. know many of you, this will be the first time you're doing this. Uh, Text donations are newer to us in the last year here at Grace Crossing Church, but we believe these are the best way to use them at times like these, when there is an immediate need, an immediate crisis that we can all together collectively respond to in text giving. So I did it yesterday just to make sure everything worked well and I made my donation, I got my information back by way of response, it was very simple, took me less than just a few minutes. So again, 84321 and we appreciate your willingness to come on board, support our church as we are giving and donating to the relief efforts of Hurricane Harvey. Well, this morning, um, we come to our final week of our summer series seasons. Here recently, we've been focusing more on the organizational collective season that God is moving us into as a church family. And so looking back in my years of pastoring here, um, what I've discovered is that about every five years, we as a church go through some sort of really major shift. It is almost like a new birth of sorts. And every five or so years, God leads us. This has kind of been our pattern that I think is informing us about what's happening right now at our church. That every five years or so, we go through this time of really through a season of transition, which leads us into a season of transformation, And I think that is what we are experiencing here at Grace Crossing Church, that God is beginning to move us into a season of transformation that's about changing, literally, the spiritual complexion of our church. Every time we've gone through a season of transition that's led us into a season of transformation, the spiritual complexion of our church has changed enormously. So back in 2009, when we were preparing to end our years of being a mobile congregation, we were a homeless church. And we were nearing the end of that season, and um, we were preparing ourselves to move here and relocate to 1553 Beaver Valley Road. And I was wrestling. I was wrestling, big time. I mean, externally, I was really excited about the prospect of having a base camp, a place that we could call home. But internally, I had tremendous conflict. And here was my conflict that I was feeling back in 2009. I was concerned that once we were no longer a mobile church, we would cease and no longer be a missional church. My concern was that once we move out of being mobile, completely dependent on God, that we were going to get comfortable and in the process we were gonna become complacent and we were gonna lose our unique identity, our unique purpose and our unique passion of fulfilling God's work in our lives as a church. And so I remember going to God during that season and I remember coming to God with a gnawing question and it was a gnawing question that I couldn't shake and here it was. What is the unique contribution that Grace Crossing Church is going to make to God's kingdom? See, at the time, there were 53, five, three churches here in Beaver Creek. And what I knew was this. I knew that what this community did not need was simply another church. There were plenty of them to go around. What was needed in this community was a congregation and a church that was making a unique contribution to God's kingdom here in this community. Well, I believe the season that we are about to step into, I believe it is part and parcel with the unique contribution that God has put us together for here at Grace Crossing Church. And so we step into this season. But before we talk about that, I want to recognize a really special group of people that are in this auditorium this morning. Last weekend, I recognized people that were with us in the journey that began all the way back in 2000. And there are less than 2,000 people that still are here at Grace Crossing Church that actually have gone through the tremendous journey that we have been on as a congregation. I can tell you this, they are my heroes. And the reason they are my heroes and the reason I wanted you to see them last weekend is because they have endured some tremendous seasons of transition and transformation. And they have weathered some incredible storms along the way. They're my heroes. And they're also the ones that have been the seeds that have planted what we are today. And so this morning, I want you to recognize another group of people. I want you to recognize a group of people that I would call the fruit of those seeds. If you are in this congregation here this morning, and you have come to Grace Crossing Church within the last seven or so years since we have landed here at 1553 Beaver Valley Road, I would like you to stand right now. If that's you, if you have come since we've moved into this building I want you to stand. Now take a look. We have staff. We have elders. We have trustees. We have some of our key directors and coordinators and volunteers that are standing on their feet right now that have joined this church, become part of this journey and this adventure since we came here. And I want you to know this is the fruit of what happens when God leads through a time of transition and transformation. Give yourselves, and let's give those that are seated, let's give these folks a hand of appreciation. Yeah. You may be seated. I want you to see, because that illustration is an illustration of a promise Jesus made. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. I will build my church and the powers of hell shall not prevail against it. I want you to notice what Jesus did and what Jesus did not promise. Jesus did not say that we would build our church. Jesus did not say that you will build his church. Jesus did not promise he would build our church. What Jesus promised is that I will build my church. And the gates and the forces of hell will not prevail against it. Now listen, as long as we are intentional and we are focused on growing our church, and we are focused on growing what we believe is best, our efforts at at, at the best are going to be feeble and temporal. But if our focus is on growing and expanding God's kingdom, then his promise is very clear. His promise is the very forces of evil itself will not be able to stand against what God desires to do. And I really believe this. I believe that when we are focused on building our kingdom, We do it without God's favor and blessing. But the moment we get off of our own agendas, the moment we stop following our own agendas, and the moment we say we're gonna get on God's agenda, we're gonna make God's agenda our big ambition, we're gonna make God's priorities our priorities for not just our own life, but for our families, for our community, and for the generations that are going to follow us, I think then we can have confidence that God will do, that Jesus will do what he promised. He will build his church. And those that he builds it with will be the people whose hearts are all his. Now, for the last number of weeks, we've been talking and focusing on the season of transformation. And here's what I have become convinced of. I become convinced that this season of transformation is only going to be made possible through complete and total surrender to the lordship and the leadership of Jesus Christ. That the only way we're going to experience the kind of transformation that God wants to bring in this unique season, this contribution that we're going to collectively make to God's kingdom, will only be made possible as we are totally and completely surrendered to him. So back in 2004, we were in the midst of our very first major shift as a church. It was one of the most difficult, most painful experiences and times and seasons that I had been in my 20 years of ministry up until that point. And as we were entering into that process and into that season, I was handed a book. The title of the book was The Emotionally Healthy Church. The book was actually written by an unknown author by the name of Pete Scazzaro. Now, Pete Scazzaro at the time was pastoring a church in Queens, And he was about to experience, and this book is actually talking about the story of his own journey. He went through a season of incredible brokenness and pain like he had never before had experienced and he certainly could not anticipate. That experience actually culminated with his wife not leaving the marriage, but his wife saying to him, I am leaving your church because I can no longer respect and follow your leadership. Talk about a wake up call. And that led Pete Scazzaro into a journey and into a process of beginning to go to the deepest, darkest parts of his own life and leadership what he discovered was this, the problem was not his wife. And the problem was not his kids. And the problem was not his church. The problem was beneath the surface. The problem lied deep within his own heart. And so at the time, he is has the spiritual disciplines down. He knows how to pray. He knows how to fast. He knows the Bible. He knows all of the right things to do and say as a Christian leader and as a Christian. He had it down. He's pastoring a multicultural mega church in the heart of Queens, New York, which is no small accomplishment. And yet his own heart was a shipwreck. His own heart was in major trouble, serious trouble. So when I saw this book and it came to me, I thought to myself, aha, finally something that's gonna fix the church. The title piqued my curiosity because we at the time were anything but emotionally healthy. And I was just drawn like a magnet into the content, wanting to read it. And it was finally giving me a language for what I had never been able to verbalize before. It was giving me a language for the kind of behaviors, the kind of attitudes, the kind of ways that people who claim to be Christians can sometimes behave and act toward one another. Infantile, childish things like kids on a playground bullying one another. Saying things and doing things that were just beyond even my understanding of how is this all possible? And I kept thinking, aha, aha, finally I understand what's wrong with them. Then I came to chapter four. Chapter four was completely out of place. In fact, even looking back at chapter four, I'm not even sure why it was put in there. (laughs) Chapter four in a book about the emotionally healthy church was simply a personal assessment. And I thought to myself, sure, why not? I'll take the assessment. And I take the personal assessment. And all of a sudden, the lights start going on. All of a sudden, I start having this revelation and insight into something that was happening in my own heart. While I was so busy thinking about what was wrong with them, I was neglecting what was wrong in me. See, I knew that God wanted to transform our church. What I didn't believe is that I needed transformed. Listen, I was fully aware and cognizant of the pride and arrogance in other people's hearts, but I was oblivious to my own pride and arrogance and pain that lie deep beneath the surface. I I was convinced that others needed to change. But I was not so convinced that I did. In fact, I fully believed that if they would just all surrender, then we would be where God wants us to be. And what I discovered was that I thought I had surrendered back when I was 16 years old, when I gave my life to Jesus. And what I discovered was my heart was far from being fully surrendered there were things lying deep within me that God was trying to get to that I had locked him out of. I had refused him permission. I had ignored and minimized those emotional and spiritual deficits that were so profound and yet that God wanted to transform. And that began a journey because here's what I learned all the way back in 2004 is when it began. I learned then that surrender begins at the point where we end. As long as we are so focused on fighting for our rights, for our position, for our reputation, as long as we are fighting for what we believe we're trying to protect, or as long as we're trying to fix other people, or focusing on controlling things, listen, we will focus a whole lot less on what's happening in our own lives. We will focus less. We will ignore what is most important. And what is most important is what is going on inside of us? What is happening in our own heart? What is happening in our own attitudes, our own thoughts, our emotions, our feelings, our behaviors that are flowing out of those We will ignore those things as long as we're focusing on them and that. Here's what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah, chapter 17, verses 9 and 10. The heart, the human heart, is more deceitful of all things. It's the most deceitful. And it's desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Now listen. Your heart is a sacred, spiritual, holy place. But according to Jeremiah, it is also intimidating, dangerous. It can be dark. It can be filled with all sorts of things that we are not willing to open up to God, much less others. And Jeremiah doesn't stop there. He says, but I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. Here's the reality. As long as we are busy trying to fix other people's hearts, we can't fix our own. And more than anything else, God wants to get to our hearts More than anything else, God cares about what's going on inside of us so much more than what's going on all around us. He cares about us taking us to a place that we could never go without his grace and without his truth. And that's the illustration that Jesus uses. In Luke chapter 5, verses 37 and 38, we've looked at it the last few weeks. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out. The wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. A lot going on there culturally, but here's what I want you to hear this morning. Throughout the Bible, the effect of excess wine and alcoholic beverages, the, the effect it has on our life, is actually compared to the impact that God's Spirit has on our heart. Ephesians chapter five actually punctuates this. Ephesians chapter five, verse 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The issue at hand here is not wine. The issue at hand is drunkenness. It's excessiveness. It is something that has got out of control in your life that's now consuming you. You're not consuming it. It is consuming you. And what Paul the Apostle says is instead of that, instead of getting drunk with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that word, that phrase, be filled with the Holy Spirit, in the original language, appears in the present active tense. Which simply means, the way this should be translated is, be filled continually filled with God's Spirit. Like spiritual transformation, being filled with God's Spirit is not a once-and-done event. According to the Scripture, being filled with God's Spirit actually is something that we must experience as a continual, regular, routine, daily act of surrender to the leadership of Christ in our lives. And I think this is so significant because you might ask yourself this question today. Why do I need to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit? The answer is simple. Because you leak. And so do I. Every single one of us in this auditorium are leaking. And what's important is And this will be the most important question you can ask yourself. What is it that is leaking out of me these days? What is it that is leaking out of me these days? When I went through this journey and this experience, and I went to the deepest, darkest deficits of my heart, I began to see things leaking out of me that were anything but fully surrendered. I saw things coming out of me or the things that Jesus actually defines in Mark's gospel, chapter seven, when he actually gives us flesh to this. Here's what he says, verses 20 through 23. Then Jesus said, listen, and here's how he, here's how he prefaces this. The Pharisees are all concerned that, that, that the disciples are putting things into their body that weren't good. Like, how could they do this? How could they eat certain things? How, how is it possible? that they could eat unclean food. And here's what Jesus says. What comes out of your heart is what makes you unclean. Out of your heart come evil thoughts, vulgar deeds, stealing, murder, unfaithfulness in marriage, greed, meanness, deceit, indecency, envy, insults, pride, and foolishness. All of these come from the heart. And they. And this is really tough to read this. And they are what make you unfit to worship God. Those are hard words. But let me ask you a follow-on question this morning. Do you ever see any of these things coming out of your life? Do you ever find these kind of things leaking out of you? Listen, if you do, don't be too hard on yourself. We all do. And this does not mean that you are not a Christian. What I think it means is this. That we will always leak out of our life whatever it is we're filled with. And if we are full of ourselves, guess what's going to come out of us? selfishness. But if we are full of God's spirit, guess what's going to come out of us? Spiritual things. This has nothing to do with whether or not we are Christian. But what, but what it does have everything to do with is this. It may mean that we are not loving God well and that we are not loving ourselves well. And in the process, as a result, consequently, we are not loving those around us well. We're not loving our families well. We're not loving those in our, relation, in our relational world well. We're not loving our neighbors well the way God desires us to. And so here's what I want you to say. Jesus articulates very clearly the things that come out of our heart when we are filled with selfishness and not filled with God's spirit. But there is a better way. There is a higher way. There is a way that God has given us that's very clear and there's something so much better that can flow out of our lives. Paul articulates it, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You ever find those difficult? There's a reason they're difficult. We cannot manufacture this. We can't produce this in our own flesh. There is nothing inside of us that will bring this stuff out in the context of our relationships. The only thing that can bring this stuff out of us is God's spirit. And the reality is this this morning, and this is what Jesus was getting to. I cannot pour new wine in old wineskins, otherwise... What is inside of that wineskin is going to spill out and it's going to be spoiled. And so, again, what is it that is leaking out of us these days? Are you pleased with the things that are leaking out of your thoughts, leaking out of your heart, out of your emotions, things that are leaking out of your mouth, things that are leaking out of your behavior? You and I will always leak. The issue is, what will we leak? What is it that is going to come out of us? Because I think here's what Jesus was saying. Here's what he was suggesting. If the things of the flesh are leaking out of us, they the things that leak out of us are going to ruin God's testimony through us. You cannot have it any other way it will spoil the work of God's spirit within us by the stuff that's leaking out of us. So here's what Paul says, Galatians chapter five, uh, verses 16 and 17. So I say to you, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Now notice this, these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Don't look now, but you're at war. You are in a theater of war every single day, every moment of every day. And that war is all about what we are going to yield our lives to. If we choose to yield our lives to the things of our flesh, which don't think of these as big, monstrous, gigantic sins. Think of these as deep, dark deficits that are hidden beneath the surface. The things that nobody else may see, but God sees them. Or are we going to yield to his spirit? And as a result, because we are continually filled with God's spirit, we are leaking out of us good things. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, self-control. We choose. There's so much more I could say about this, but let me drive this to a close. There's one final seasonal piece that I want to add to this seasonal puzzle of what God is doing here at Grace Crossing Church. This piece is really significant. And here it is. We are moving into a season of spiritual transformation that will only be made possible by total surrender. And here's the piece, which will require ruthless trust. It will require ruthless trust. Now here's the story Jesus tells about this, that I think illustrates this perfectly. Luke's gospel again, chapter five, verses four through six. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep water, let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, master, we worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break, here's what I sense God saying to Grace Crossing Church. I sense God is calling us to move beyond the comforts of the shallow waters of our faith and move into the deeper waters. Now listen, going off the deep end is typically not a phrase we like to talk about. We certainly don't like to be accused of it. But when it comes to our faith, when it comes to spiritual transformation, listen to what I'm about to say. There is no other way but by going off the deep end. There is no other way. If you really want transformation, it means you're gonna have to leave the comforts of the shallow, familiar, predictable, known place, and you're gonna have to go to a place that you've never been before. Here's what I can tell you about, dark, about deep waters. Deep waters are dark places. They're murky. They're confusing. You can't see your hand in front of you. The deeper you go, the darker it becomes. And that's where God meets us. That's where God will always meet us. It's down beneath the surface in the deepest, darkest parts of the human heart, which are deceitfully wicked. The second thing I sense And it's illustrated here. I sense that God is asking us to place more confidence in his leadership than in our human effort. Peter said, We've worked hard all night. Look what we have accomplished. Not very much. And Jesus said, Listen, you've got to go to a deeper place if you're going to experience something that is profound. And the final thing I sense God saying is I sense that God is inviting us to ruthlessly trust him with our future, with where he wants to take us individually and collectively. I want to give you a promise as I close. God gave it to me years back and I think it's about to come to pass. Isaiah Chapter 43, verse 19, for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in dry wastelands. I believe that's the promise for Grace Crossing Church for such a time as this. Pray with me. Jesus, we invite you to take our church. This is not our church, it's your church. We surrender it, Lord, fully to you today and we recognize the season we're about to enter into is one that is going to completely change the spiritual complexion of this church. We're thankful for it. We're grateful for it. But we need ruthless trust to keep our eyes on you. So we invite you, we pray you would help us to stay fully in a posture of surrender to you Thank you, God, for what you've built already and thank you for what you're going to build upon this foundation in the days to come. We pray these things and we give it all to you in Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.